Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Lo, my servant, I take hold on him, my chosen one, my soul hath accepted. I have put my spirit upon him, judgment to nations he bringeth forth. This is talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son is servant to the Father, and Father and Son are always one. A son is an agent of his father in ancient times. That's why sons always took up the same work that their fathers did, whatever trade it was. Jesus Christ does the same work that his father does, and he represents his father. This entire chapter is going to be about Jesus, but it also indirectly is about anyone who serves the Lord and is one of his children. We're not the same as Jesus, we'll never be the same, because he is the righteous one, and all of us have sinned, and he created us, and we did not create him. So we'll never be the same as Jesus, because he is God. He existed before the world was made. But we can be like him when we serve the Father, just as Jesus does. And the Father accepts the Son, because of all that the Son has done for the Father. And the Father also accepts all of his children who serve him. 2. He doth not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. This means that he would not scream and yell at people. The only time that Jesus probably raised his voice was when he was in the temple rebuking the money changers, or on Hanukkah night when he was in the temple and said, I am the light of the world, he probably raised his voice so that everyone could hear him. But it wasn't his common way to raise his voice. In fact, in the New Testament, there was a couple of times where Jesus got into a boat when there were huge crowds. That way, the people would be higher up than he was because the boat is on water, which is lower than ground and the people on the hill would be able to hear him better while he spoke in a normal tone. He basically was making a stage for himself so that he didn't have to scream, because he was not a screamer. Where I live, in the Bible Belt, there are a whole lot of screamers in churches. Some of the preachers down here scream blood-curdling screams to the top of their lungs, but unfortunately they're not really preaching the gospel. But Jesus spoke simply, and yet what he said was complete truth. He was meek and mild, and this is why he didn't scream at people, and torment people, and try to control people. God never controls anyone. There's consequences for our choices, but he always lets us make our own choices. 3. A bruised reed he breaketh not, and a dim flax he quencheth not to truth he bringeth forth judgment. This is also showing how meek and mild Jesus was. It says that he wouldn't even step on a reed when he was at the marshes or at a lake. He wouldn't bend the branches unnecessarily. Now we know he walked on dirt and grass. I'm sure he squished a little bit of grass, but if he could ever avoid harming his creation, he did. And that's what this verse refers to. Unlike hippies and New Agers today, he didn't try to force other people to not break branches, but he himself didn't break branches because he was that meek and that mild. 
according to these verses, Jesus was the type of person who would not hurt a fly, but he always spoke the truth. For he doth not become weak nor bruised till he setteth judgment in the earth, and for his law isles wait with hope. All the coastlands and all the islands around the world, and some islands are pretty big like Greenland and England, all of the places around the world only get hope through the words of Jesus. It also says, although he was meek and mild and wouldn't hurt a fly, he was not weak. The fact that he was meek and mild wasn't because he was fragile himself. He was a strong person, but it was his choice to be meek and mild. 5. Thus said God, Jehovah, preparing the heavens and stretching them out, spreading out the earth and its productions, giving breath to the people on it and spirit to those walking in it. In verse 6, it's going to tell us what the Lord says, but before that, in verse 5, it describes who the Lord really is. He is the one who created all of the stars and the galaxies and spread them out. And he is also the one who created everything in earth and every system in earth. He's the one who gives everybody food to eat. Some people think that they earned their food, but they wouldn't have any food if it weren't for God. And he also puts a spirit into every living creature so that it will come alive. 6. I, Jehovah, did call thee in righteousness, and I lay hold on thy hand and keep thee, and I give thee for a covenant of a people and a light of nations. This is the Lord speaking to his people. And he says that he's called us to righteousness, he has his hand on us, and he has made a covenant with us to be a light to all of the nations. But there cannot be any light in us unless his Son is in us. 7. To open the eyes of the blind, to bring forth from prison the bound one, from the house of restraint those sitting in darkness. He would give sight to the blind and it also says, bring forth from prison the bound one. 8. I am Jehovah, this is my name, and mine honor to another I give not, nor my praise to graven images. The Lord will not share his glory with anyone. If you have an idol in your house, he's not going to share his glory with that idol. If you want to give yourself credit for something good that happened in your life, he will not share the glory with you. He won't take any part in that. God is all or nothing. Either we give him all the glory and all the credit, or it doesn't count. We can't throw the Lord bones. That's like giving him no credit at all. It's like pretending that he isn't our creator. 9. The former things, lo, have come, and new things, I am declaring. Before they spring up, I cause you to hear. The Lord makes all things new. When we repent of our sins, He transforms our lives, and we're no longer the same people that we were before, and that's why the New Testament says that He makes us into new creatures. And that is very true. My personality has changed since I became born again, because I'm a new creature. And the Lord prophesies both the past and the future. It's from him that we know what happened and what's going to happen. 10. Sing to Jehovah a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. 
ye who are going down to the sea and its fullness, isles and their inhabitants. Everyone should praise the Lord, those on the ocean, those in the isles, those everywhere. Again, there are allusions here to the far reaches of Israel, which were close to Babylon. This chapter and chapter 41 seem to be talking to people on the outskirts of Israel, near the sea or on the sea. 11. The wilderness and its cities do lift up the voice. The villages, Kedar, doth inhabit. Sing do the inhabitants of Sela from the top of the mountains, they cry. People all over Israel are worshiping the Lord. 12. They ascribe to Jehovah honor and his praise in the isles, they declare. You know, I've even heard atheists and Darwinists and New Agers praise the Lord before. They'll do it sometimes when they're in the company of Christians and they'll say amen after a prayer. I've been at dinners where there were non-Christians, but they still prayed with everybody and gave reverence to God because deep down they know who he is and they know he's real. Pretending only goes so far. When you're in a real-life situation where the Lord is present, you have to respond. 12. They ascribe to Jehovah honor and his praise in the isles, they declare. There will come a day when all of Israel will give the Lord all honor and praise him completely. And I believe that will be during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But even now and throughout the centuries, People all over the world have given the Lord honor. 13. Jehovah, as a mighty one, goeth forth. As a man of war, he stirreth up zeal. He crieth, yea, he shrieketh. Against his enemies, he showeth himself mighty. This is one of the many hundreds of times in the Bible where the Israelites use terminology that's similar to Native Americans and other natives around the world. Shrieking is what a lot of tribal people do, whether it's Native American or tribes in other countries. Showing yourself mighty to the enemy is a very ancient tribal way of scaring the enemy off. Also, when King David danced for hours and hours, the only way you could explain that is if it was a step dance, such as Native peoples do. Because you can step dance for hours, but you can't do the cha-cha or swing dancing for hours. So I think King David did some sort of stomping dance or stepping dance. 14. I have kept silent from of old. I keep silent. I refrain myself. As a travailing woman, I cry out. I desolate and swallow up together. This is an interesting verse because in verse 13 it said he was shrieking and scaring the enemy. And then in verse 14 it says that he's been silent like a woman in labor. But then it says he swallows and he desolates all at once. It could be that sometimes he shrieks and scares people, but at other times he does a silent attack. The Lord is a warrior. I believe that the constellation Orion is really up there to show us the Lord as a warrior, the way he's being described here in this chapter. 15. I make waste mountains and hills, and all their herbs I dry up. 
and I have made rivers become isles, and ponds I dry up. The Lord can turn a lush, beautiful forest into a desert to show how mighty he is. 16. And I have caused the blind to go in a way they have not known, in paths they have not known, I cause them to tread. I make a dark place before them become light, and unleveled places become a plain. These are the things I have done, and I have not forsaken them. In the miracles of God, he can make a blind person see. This is also talking metaphorically about the Spirit. Before I became born again, I was blind spiritually, and there were so many things that I did not understand. After I became born again, and Christ began living inside of me, he opened my eyes, and I now understand things that I could never understand before. Mighty wonders of God. I now have wisdom because of Jesus in my life that I would have never had before. That's similar to a blind person getting their sight and also being able to walk on a straight path instead of going up and down hills where they're going to fall. The Lord does make our path straight. When you get born again, the Lord is going to clean up your life. He's going to end relationships. There will be people who will never talk to you again, but it's for your benefit. He may even cause you to lose a job or lose housing because he has a better plan for you. He doesn't want you to live where you've been living, and he doesn't want you to work where you've been working. So he'll close doors and he'll turn your life into a straight plane that you can walk toward him easily. And he'll get rid of all the valleys and all the mountains in your life. And your life will become a lot simpler and a lot safer and more peaceful. And as the days go by, it will be easier and easier to follow him. If you'll just have faith and step out and get started, then he will make that path straight for you. But you have to have faith and you have to take that first step. 17. Removed backward, utterly ashamed are those trusting in a graven image, those saying to a molten image, Ye are our gods. People all over the world still today will pray to images that they have created. It's really insane to worship something that's man-made, because whatever man creates is less than man. You can never create something that's greater than you. To worship something that's less than you makes no sense. We must worship the one who created us, not these objects that we create. If we don't give up worshiping objects, then the Lord will cause us to be ashamed. When he comes in the sky and everybody sees him on that day, those who worshiped idols will be horrifically shamed. 18. Ye deaf, hear, and ye blind, look to see. Now this is talking more about the spiritually blind and deaf than the physically blind and deaf. Because you can be physically blind and deaf and still get saved and go to heaven. But if you're spiritually blind and deaf, you're going to stay in your sin. This is calling those who are in spiritual darkness to open their eyes and their ears. 19. Who is blind but my servant, and deaf as my messenger I send? Who is blind as he who is at peace, yea, blind as the servant of Jehovah?
In this verse, notice how the Lord is calling his own servants spiritually blind and deaf. But this isn't referring to his son. This is referring to those who are his children who still want to practice religion instead of faith. And there are many people in the church today like that. They call themselves God's children, but they don't really follow Jesus. They follow their pastor and their religion. Christianity cannot save anybody. Christianity is not Jesus. There's a lot of falsehood in religion, even the Christian religion. It's only Jesus who will save us. But a lot of people want to be deaf and blind to the word of the Lord, so they don't read the Bible, and they don't listen to Jesus when he speaks to them in their heart. They just think, well, if the pastor is okay with what I do, then it's fine. And of course, the pastor is okay with what you do. When's the last time that your pastor knocked on your door or gave you a phone call and lovingly confronted you about your sin? Probably never. They're really following their pastor because he doesn't rebuke them or confront them or tell them to repent. What he's giving them is religion. All they have to do is show up for church, tithe, and do what they're told. But they don't have to actually follow Jesus. So these are the spiritually deaf and blind of God's children. And in Israel, in ancient times and now, there are still a lot of people in Israel who are also spiritually deaf and blind. They want to be good Jews, but they don't want to follow the Lord. 20. Seeing many things, and thou observest not, opening ears, and he heareth not. The Lord has told us his word in the Bible, and we've seen all of his miracles, but we're still deaf and blind because we want to play our religious games. 21. Jehovah hath delight for the sake of his righteousness. He magnifieth law and maketh honorable. The Lord's law is honorable. We read it in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, and we learned how honorable it is. The law of the Lord is beneficial to all of us. It helps us. It helps us to live better, and it helps us to be kind to each other. The law isn't hateful one bit. God's law is far more loving than the laws of any nation today. It surpasses in kindness all of the laws of all of the nations. He is magnified in his law because he is love. When we practice his law, that's the best way to love other people and him. His law will make us honorable and righteous when we practice it. 22. And this is a people seized and spoiled, snared in holes, all of them, and in houses of restraint, they are hidden. They have been for a prey, and there is no deliverer, a spoil, and none is saying, Restore. Restore is like revival or repentance. No one in the churches is calling people to repent. That's a generalization. I know there are some good pastors out there. But in general, in most churches that you go to, your pastor isn't concerned with your sinful lifestyle. He's more concerned with whether or not you're plugged into all of his programs that he prescribes. People in churches, they're content, and they think you're a great saint if you show up for every event. 
And if you don't show up for every event, then they think that you've fallen by the wayside. But they never judge based on whether you're sinning or not. They don't even want to know if you're sinning or not. So we're all hidden. We're in a snare of religion. It's like we're in a house of restraint. We're restrained from following Christ. We're only allowed to, you know, sit down, look straight ahead, be quiet for an hour and a half, and then get up, smile at everybody, no matter how you feel and no matter how wicked you know those people are, you still smile and shake their hands and go home. So it's a house of restraint. It isn't really following Jesus. 23. Who among you giveth ear to this, attendeth, and heareth afterwards? The Lord says, Are any of you listening to me? The Israelites were content to listen to their religious leaders, but not the Lord. 24. Who hath given Jacob for a spoil, and Israel to the spoilers? Is it not Jehovah, he against whom we sinned? Yea, they have not been willing in his ways to walk, nor have they hearkened to his laws. Even though the Lord is the only one who could punish Israel and turn Israel over to the pagan nations for punishment, they still wouldn't repent of their sins time after time after time. They were living in the flesh. Unfortunately, there's a lot of religious people today who live in the flesh. They walk in religion, but they don't walk in repentance. Religion is a convenient cover for a sinful life. So they use religion as a cover, but in reality, they love their sin more than Christ. And that's just like the Israelites in the Old Testament. They loved their religion more than the Lord. And that's why today there's many Israelites who continue to practice their religion, but they won't follow the Lord, Jesus. 25. And he poureth on him fury, his anger, and the strength of battle and it setteth him on fire round about, and he hath not known, and it burneth against him, and he layeth it not to heart. The Lord can set our life on fire in order to get us to repent, and he's done that to me before, and I know he's done it to a lot of people. When you're living in willful sin, he will set your life on fire. He'll allow you to go into crisis because he wants you to get to the end of your rope and repent. But in this verse it says that even when he punishes people or disciplines them, they still remain stubborn and won't repent of their sins. Well, tonight I hope you repent. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow, so don't put it off. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 42.